0: Welcome to Red, White, and Confused. I'm your host, Heather Evans. This week on the show begins the first of three shows this year that students in my media and politics class at the University of Virginia's College at Wise have put together um, as part of their class project. So if you ever are over at UVA Wise and you're thinking about taking a class uh, related to politics and kind of what's happening in the news... I'd be happy to have you in my class because the students in that class get to build a radio show from the ground up. So what you're about to hear is um, a project that the students put together, and you're going to hear this for the next three weeks, student groups coming up with a research topic that they're very interested in that's connected to our course in some way. You're going to hear students today talk a little bit about agenda setting and gun control, um, some of the other topics you're going to hear over the next two weeks are things about uh, the media and its role in elections, and also the, um, the death that we see in all over America of local news. But these topics are things the students really care about, and so they have contacted various scholars and people who are working in the industry to discuss these issues. So today, without further ado, here is the show for my first group of students. This is Michael Martin and also Morgan Blankenship, and we hope that you enjoy the show today.
1: Welcome to Red and Confused. I'm Michael Martin.
2: And I'm Morgan Blankenship.
1: We are political science majors at the University of Virginia's College at Wise, and we are students in the media and politics class with Dr. Heather Evans. We would like to thank Dr. Evans for this spot on her radio show. Today, we will be talking about how the media portrays gun violence. Oftentimes after a major shooting, the media hyper-focuses on the issue of gun violence, but legislative policy rarely changes. This type of coverage affects both politicians and public opinion. After a heavily covered national event, The public often pushes for firearm policy reform, yet it is rare for legislative policy to change. A link between gun violence coverage in the media and gun violence-related tweets from politicians is also evident after a national event.
2: Today, we talk with two scholars who are experts on the topics of the Second Amendment and the media's influence on policy. In this episode, we aim to discuss gun violence in the United States, how the media sets the agenda for politicians, and how the media influences public opinion. And now we would like to introduce our first guest, Dr. Susan Liebell. And she is a professor of political science and a Warren research chair at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. Her research on guns, the Supreme Court, and abortion is at the intersection of democratic theory and public law. So our first kind of question for you is pretty broad. What contributes to gun violence being so prevalent? Oh, in the United States? Well, that's
3: a huge question. Um, And I think people disagree. Uh, about it, but the things that uh, I would say there's good research behind, and we could be confident about is uh, we have a large number of guns in the United States, and we have more gun violence than any other country of our government type in the world. So we we have a sort of a gun epidemic. Uh, f- from many people's perspective, this is something that needs um, policy treatment from others. This means we should have more guns because the ownership of guns makes for uh, a, you know, a sort of a, a, counter, a counter to that. So I, I think the problem that we see is, is violence of all kinds, um, but particularly suicide uh, shootings in communities, not necessarily what we tend to focus on in the media, but a, a kind of a widespread violence across society.
1: Our next question is, do you believe the way in which the Second Amendment of the Constitution is written um, could inflate the issue on gun rights, gun control, or act as a roadblock for gun reform in the United States?
3: This is a pretty cynical answer, but uh, I've been studying the Second Amendment for, for decades, and I, I I think that doesn't actually matter what the Second Amendment says, because I, I don't think the Supreme Court is actually looking at words of the amendment or the history of the amendment, I think the Supreme Court has become so politicized that the words of the Constitution aren't really any sort of a guidance or a roadblock. Uh, and I think we can sort of see that that the Second Amendment is interpreted the same way for about 200 years. Uh, and then in 2008, Justice Scalia says that the first part of the amendment doesn't count that the part about the militia is simply a he calls it a preface and he decides that it it has no meaning. Uh, Justice Stevens who's writing on the court at the same time says, well that like how can you just dismiss that? So I, I don't actually believe anymore that uh, and I and I feel terrible about that because I'm somebody who studies words and documents. I've always thought that what the founders said or our history Really mattered, but I think that what's happened uh, on the Supreme Court increasingly is that this notion of originalism is has just become kind of a uh, a cover for just inserting whatever politics you like, and I think that's what explains overturning laws that are over one hundred years old, for example.
2: All right. Um. So the next one we have is also kind of broad. How does the issue of gun violence influence the policy agenda?
3: Well, I, I mean, I think in the last couple of days, uh, we can see that, for example, in Tennessee, uh, the politics have, state politics have exploded over gun violence because uh, after, you know, a tragic shooting, uh, three Democratic uh, state legislators, accompanied by, you know, hundreds of activists who surrounded the State house and came into the State House, are now in conflict because the, the state legislature doesn't want to talk about about policy changes. So I think that we are at loggerheads. I think that the issues become terribly politicized. It makes it very, very difficult to even have a debate or a discussion about how we might address gun violence because I don't think we have agreement on the fact that it's a problem or even a very clear understanding by either the public or policymakers for that matter, what gun violence looks like in America, because it doesn't look like mass shootings. Mass shootings is a teeny, tiny drop in the bucket not to in any way diminish the harm that it causes or the tragic lives uh, that have been taken, but that is not the number one cause of death in the United States by gun violence. And we also need to not just talk about death because people who are involved in gun violence and survive often lead, traumatically move forward. And we tend not to have conversations about those people. And they are the majority of the people affected by gun violence in the United States.
2: Right. That's super interesting um, about how mass shootings are kind of overrepresented i guess you could say. So would you say that the perception that mass shootings is the majority of gun violence comes from politicians or more so the media or where does that perception come from?
3: I don't want to let the politicians off the hook because certainly they have the bully pulpit and they can stand up and they could speak to this and and they do not. We are not seeing that as prevalently as we might. But this does have to do with the media. Something like mass shootings is about 1% of shootings. And so like in a, in a three-day period, we have something like 70 people killed and something like over 100 people injured any day in the United States. But it is that 1% of mass shootings that tends to be overemphasized. Uh, I think that was the word you used. I think that's exactly right, overcovered. And it also is covered in this strange way. Uh, the researchers call it episodic crime reporting. It means that, you know, everybody swoops in to focus on the single shooting event. Uh, they tend to focus the research shows on really uncommon victims like women. So they underreport, for example, uh, the harm done to male black people while over-reporting what happens to others who are less affected. So these disparities in coverage really sort of don't allow the, the public to understand. And, and even perhaps I think much more important is this focus on individuals, this focus on it being like. This person, this set of events, this parking lot means that we don't have a broader discussion about gun violence as an epidemic in the United States. And the news media has tended to favor covering individual events and people and missing that context, not giving people the rates of violence by state, not giving them the bigger histories, and and leaving people with impoverished understandings. And therefore, they are not going to pressure their public officials for change because they don't really have an understanding of, oh, wait, we need a different law or we need a different kind of registration or whatever it might be.
2: Right. Well, that was, that was our last question. Thank you for all your answers. They were super thorough and educational. We really appreciate you coming on here and doing it. It's been a great time talking to you. Now we would like to introduce, I guess that we're super excited to have on, uh, Elise Russell PhD is an assistant professor of public policy at the University of Kentucky. She is also a faculty associate of the US Policy Agendas Project and a member of the Comparative Agendas Project. Dr. Russell's research interests include questions about how policymakers communicate their agendas and the role of the media particularly social media, in the political process. So we can go ahead and jump into questions if that's good with you. So our first one is, in your opinion, how prevalent is social media and news media as a factor in influencing lawmakers' agendas?
4: Absolutely. And it's a great question because it's increasingly important in how lawmakers think about uh, the policy agenda, how they think about their own agendas and the reputations that they build while in office. Um, We've often more readily thought about social media in terms of campaigns and how you build a campaign uh, platform and how you build an agenda in pursuit of office, but even once you're in office, um, none of those digital norms go away and those digital norms shape how you think about an issue. They shape the information and the inputs that you have to make decisions and they shape the way that you amplify your own preferences and priorities.
2: We're talking about a lot about gun violence and that's something we've noticed specifically in the media it kind of like an event happens and then it's in the media and then it goes away. So a follow up to that is with a national shooting in the news currently, such as the Nashville one, do you think that this will lead to legislation being passed?
4: That's a really good question because it gets at sort of what you see as the relationship between these focusing events and what you see as the relationship between that and legislation. And digital certainly has a role to play in that Um There is no guarantee, and we've seen it time and time again, where you have, particularly in the issue of guns, um, you have a shooting or a mass casualty event, you don't necessarily always see legislation, particularly at the federal level. Um, Sort of an exception to this was uh, in the wake of the Uvalde shooting, right? We did see um, a more bipartisan effort, particularly among the Senate, to address the issue. And in a lot of ways, that's, that's come to be the exception to the norm that we've expected. And so in terms of then what gets done legislatively, Um, there's not a lot of problem solving that happens. But what you do have, and this is really where digital plays a role, is you do have a lot of um, addressing the issue in terms of how they acknowledge an issue and how they respond. A lot of digital is event-driven communication, right? Where what you're doing is certainly your priorities. And so there's some choice, but it's also reacting to the world around you and helping those around you make sense of it. And so members of Congress and their staff, when something like that happens, it's oftentimes not a question of will you respond to a lot of these large events most people do, particularly if they hit close to home. But the question is how, right? It's a question of framing. And that's what we see a lot in terms of debates about background checks, guns, firearms, the Second Amendment, etc.
2: Right, right. Um, I have a follow-up question on that too. Could you kind of explain the process of how mainstream media, what's covered in the news, like Fox News, CNN,
4: how or if that affects how politicians tweet? Absolutely. So you have to think about the fact that um, I often say Twitter is not real life, but it has real world implications. And particularly in Congress, that's a very unique digital ecosystem that is unlike what we have come to know sort of in the public space. There's a certain number uh, of people in that space looking for policy and political information in ways that the public just is not. Um, They're much more interested in what Taylor Swift is doing, right, than what uh, Kevin McCarthy is saying on any given day. But for that congressional and political community, sort of what you say on digital is related to what happens on cable news, what gets reported in the media. Um, And this happens in a couple of ways, right? In the sense that you, you engage in digital performance as a Senator or as a staff member with the expectation or the hope rather that that rhetoric, that language can amplify your message either through traditional digital means or it can then get amplified onto cable news, right? There's this pipeline um, that's become increasingly clear and folks like Donald Trump are on the issue of guns. Someone like Senator Chris Murphy has done this really effectively where he'll make a statement and then on Twitter and the producers and the bookers at MSNBC see that and say, okay, that's who we want or maybe that's who we need on the evening news, right? So you have this relationship between being able to use what you say um, around an event or uh, a a hot moment and being able to take that and grow your brand and grow your presence on cable news and vice versa, right? So it's part of this sort of endogenous process in this congressional digital ecosystem where traditional media and digital media sort of collide and work in uh, concert with one another.
1: Moving on from that just a little bit, um, do you believe that um, social and news media affects the tweeting habits of politicians?
4: Oh, absolutely. And so I'll give you an example of this. Um, So one uh, member of the Republican Party described to me, um, an example in the way that they think about the news media and a lot of what they do is thinking about how it will get picked up or what the reach of your your behavior either legislative political policy is right and so he was describing an a, a sort of a hypothetical situation right where if if they're doing or going to drop a bill or they're going to be doing uh, a visit to the southern border right addressing sort of the southern border crisis as they've as they've described it Strategically, any work that they do, they think about where that's going and who they want to give that information to. And so you've got a culture where you might have a Republican member who um, isn't really interested in Washington Post coverage and won't waste that coverage on the Washington Post, but would prefer to have that in the Daily Caller, which is a more conservative, right, leaning outlet. And so it's a fundamentally uh, different question about how you appeal to the media and sort of reinforces uh, a more partisan dynamic because it's seen um, as an outlet that strategically targets the audience that they want to reach and uh, the community that they want to be a part of and in communication with.
2: Right. So kind of going along the lines of the tweeting, do you think that politicians, when they're tweeting about issues such as mass shootings and gun violence, are they trying to kind of elicit an emotional response in people or really trying to inspire more like
4: policy agenda? Right. So there's a lot of policy on Twitter, right? Despite what we hear, two thirds of what gets said in congressional Twitter is about policy. However, Social media and networks, uh, emotions spread faster than fun facts, right? No tweet about public lands is going to go viral on its own, right? You need emotions, particularly negative ones, angry ones, sad ones. um, That's much more likely to spread across a diffuse network like Twitter. And so those staff, especially who are the ones primarily in charge of this, who do their job really well and effectively know that. And so they, they talk about policy, but they do it in a way that tries to elicit those emotions because that's part of the calculus is what's going to make this go viral, what's going to raise our engagement. And at the end of the day, some of those metrics are, are what they have to go on.
2: Kind of last question I have is, could you kind of go into more explaining the process of when a politician's tweeting, is it more they're tweeting to get on the news media or they're tweeting because of the news media, what they're covering? if
4: that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So it's a, li- so to understand uh digital behaviors, um, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? There's a, there's the behavior in the sense of this is what's going on in the world. I want to be relevant. I want to be impactful. And so I'm going to engage on this topic. So for example, we saw this um, particularly this summer with the Dobbs decision, right? A decision comes down and 90% of lawmakers have to address the issue, right? We've got this Um, emergent uh, issue that's come across and no one's going to ignore it because then it looks like you're out of touch. The question then becomes how do you address it, right? Do you accept the premise of the question that this is about abortion or is this about the court? Is this about judicial overreach or is this about the filibuster, right? You can think about how you frame that issue for your audience, and those are important choices. Which again feeds back into um, the media ecosystem and how we talk about an issue, right? So a lot of what you're doing is is both proactive and reactive, right? It's this mix um, and it's somewhat dependent on an office's priorities, right? Do you want to be leading or um, are you less, are you more cautious? Are you more likely to lead on specific issues and let other people um, lead, right? For example, you've got someone like Senator Ted Cruz, who's often rapid fire, engaging on lots of very hot button salient issues versus some senators who are going to hang back they have their own policy platform and they only engage on those issues and they do so um more conservatively and strategically um, because that's not the kind of political presence they want to have so that proactive reactive relates to do they respond to what the media is doing yes but they also hope to have an effect on that sort of media cycle moving forward
2: right I have one last question because it was super interesting what you were saying earlier about kind of like how Ted Cruz tweets about something he's like quick to jump on the gun and like other politicians like that. What are factors that influence prevalence of tweeting and how
4: politicians tweet and which ones tweet and which ones don't? Right. So I primarily study the Senate and a good question to ask yourself about their um, digital behavior is have they run for president? And are they going to run for president? That's probably the first one, right? Do you have political aspirations outside of what you're doing right now? Do you need to build a national brand? And Ted Cruz, obviously, the answer is yes, right? Like, past his prologue. But additionally, with that, I think there are two other important points that you have to take into consideration. And, And I think Ted Cruz serves as a good example for at least one of them. And one of them is resources. Do you have the funds to do that? right? Twitter in and of itself is, is fairly costless, right? You or I with no resources whatsoever could engage on the platform, but to do it well, to do it strategically, to do it with graphics, with video, right? And to do that on a day in day out basis requires a lot of investment, right? Both in money and people and having the capacity to do that requires money. And uh, not every Senator right has the, the same amount of money. We could go into why, why that is. But those with resources are much more likely uh, to engage in ways that are very different than their colleagues who don't make that similar investment in digital. And then the, the other piece that I think is critical here is electoral security and competitiveness. Are you a frontline member? How you engage knowing that in two, four, six years, uh, you may be uh, at risk of losing your seat will very much affect what you can do, the latitude that you have and the choices that you make, right? So thinking about the competitiveness of your race and how that conditions what you say, how that conditions where your rhetoric um, is placed in the news, right? Those are those are the questions that um, lawmakers have to ask themselves and then strategically decide um, if they're willing, particularly on salient issues, if they're willing to be the lead story on something and if that actually, um, best serves them electorally.
2: Right. I think that's all the questions we have. Okay, great. Thank you so much for coming on here and doing the interview with us. Through these interviews, we hope that we were able to shed a little more light on this topic. It is evident that the way in which the media covers certain events such as gun violence affects politicians and public opinion. We again want to thank Dr. Lee Bell and Dr. Russell for joining us. And we would also like to thank Dr. Evans for this spot on the radio show. Be sure to tune in next time for another student segment, and we want to thank you for tuning in to Red, White & Confused.